Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown. Now glad he could join us this year. He's not out working on the field. That's Louisiana Tech's head coach, Greg Goff. Coach, appreciate you joining us this morning. Yes, sir. Good morning, Nick. It's uh, a whole lot different than, uh, than last year, isn't it? It certainly is, and I talked about that earlier in the show that we were going to talk about that, that uh, the new playing surface, last year you added a, a halo uh, around home plate, and then I thought, you know what, well, maybe you should just have extended it down the baselines, but now an entire uh, turf playing surface has certainly been nice. No doubt, Nick. It's, it's incredible. Uh, like I said, it's so much different. You know, this time last year I'd be on the line more with my hoodie on and my earmuffs and toboggan and gloves and uh, various cold weather, but uh, just so thankful to have an opportunity to have a you know facility like we do. And uh, I think you saw you know how it's been playing. It's been it's been absolutely amazing. You know that was that 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 was indeed a question of mine. How did it play? And I can tell you this, Coach. It looks be- it looks better every time I go. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was just seeing it with seeing it with all the players on it the other night for the game with uh, the Raging Cajuns. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I wondered how it would play, and and you know what I, I don't know if it's compared to playing like a, a natural surface, but the field plays very well. It does, you know. It, it's it's very true, um, you know. So it it really plays phenomenal, to be honest with you, better than what I could ever imagine. Um, and you know, it, it takes a little time to get used to it, and uh, but our infielders and things, you know, just so happy there's not a bad hop much. Uh, just stays really true, and they can really stay down on the ball. And our pitchers know that um, you know if they keep the ball down in the zone, that uh, they have a chance because we can play pretty good defense behind. Yeah, you certainly can. Now, I thought one of the biggest adjustments, and I enjoyed watching it. And we're going to talk about uh, the game where uh, stealing bases certainly uh, setting a new team record. I wondered how sliding would be, but is that something that you actually practice? Sliding on the turf, so you'll know where you start or where you go. Is it, or is it still just a pretty the, the same distance for out from the bag that you slide? Well, there's no doubt it makes a big difference. Um, and you see, sometimes you know we had a guy too last night slide almost past it, um, but it, it's a major difference. You have to definitely know, you know, that you need to slide earlier. If not, you'll just slide right past it. So uh, we definitely do a lot of practice. Coach Wells, he always stays on me about coach. We need to practice slide. We need to practice slide. So. It's uh, so far it's paid off for us. You know, and that's one thing. We're talking to Louisiana Tech head baseball coach Greg Goff, and we're talking about the new playing surface out at the Love Shack. And I tell you what, that is one thing that you can't say enough, the amount of practice time, because you don't lose practice time now based on field conditions, and that's been huge, I think. No doubt. Uh, I think we're, you know, way ahead of what we were last year defensively because of that, Nick. Uh, you know, said this, I told the coach at UTA last night, you know, the same thing, like, this is the first time, and we still haven't. We haven't been inside yet, um, and, you know, it makes a big, you know, baseball is a game that's played outside, and uh, you need as many reps as you can get, and, you know, you need to stay in, in rhythm, whether it's hitting or defense, and, um, you know, this, this facility has allowed us to every day find a window at some point uh, to get outside and, and get our reps in, and I really think that's one of the reasons why these guys have, have played so consistent so far. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the games because that was huge. Uh, you know, one thing that you talked about last year, and you talked about bringing people in. You know, not afraid to schedule, go out and get all the uh, in-state opponents that you can.
ten, and you brought in certainly brought in a good one, the number six ranked team in the land, Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. Well, it certainly had a a great crowd, and I know that was something that the team was able to feel, uh, uh, you know, just really fill out the uh, the crowd the other night. It was. I mean, it was amazing uh, to feel that excitement and adrenaline going through. Uh, I mean, you know, our dugouts were right there, and you know, our facility so awesome, all the crowd and, and things. You can tell when those guys were getting into it, and uh, you know, just amazing to feel that excitement going on for Bulldog baseball, and, and our guys definitely set off of that, and just. To me, this gave our guys so much more confidence when you're playing in such a good program and a ranked team like that. Uh, you need that home field advantage. And I thought our, our fans did a tremendous job, you know, with that on Wednesday night. And then last night, you know, one of the biggest crowds probably had. A lot of things going on in Ruston and, and uh, you know, high school baseball starting up and just a lot of different things, softball and things. Uh, to have over a thousand people last night on a Friday on a cold Friday night in Ruston. Yeah, I think that has certainly been incredible, and and I want to talk more about uh, Louisiana Lafayette, and then move into the UTA game, Coach. Talking to Greg Goff, head coach of Louisiana Tech baseball, but that is something that enjoyed watching, and you know where Louisiana Tech is, where it come when you've got the job, and where you are now. And I know that you'll be the first to say that that one victory doesn't make a season, but that is certainly progress and confidence that these guys have now after defeating the number six team in the land and uh you know it's interesting because we talked about storming the court and everything was interesting i watched the player reaction after that game from louisiana lafayette and i'm not talking about about them at all but it was funny a little bit of shock to lose to louisiana tech because at first it looked like the teams weren't going to shake hands and they did shake hands so i think the confidence you get you're making a little noise coach well, there's no doubt, and, and we're definitely not, you know, we haven't arrived, or we hadn't, you know, uh, you know, we ain't ready to, to, to end the season or anything. I think it's some progress, and, you know, it's just a, you know, it's just, you know, kind of a whole thing of, of our guys, uh, you know, preparation. Uh, Nick, you know, those guys expect to win. I think if you heard Tyler Clancy after the game, uh, you know, they were, you know, in our preparation on Monday and Tuesday, you know, they were getting prepared to, to go to war and to compete against a really good team, and, you know, I was very, you know, pleased with our guys. They didn't back down, or you know, they didn't shy away from, uh, you know, from competing at a high level. And uh, you know, those are things that I think are really important when you build, or building a program and, and trying to get people to buy into what you're doing. Uh, you know, you better prepare them in practice. You better, to me, you know, the coach and our coaching staff. I think Coach Well and Coach Ostrand and Coach Holt that just really did a great job of preparing our players. You know, for some tough situations in practice, so when it when it happens in games, it's a little easier. And then our things are our guys are really feeding off of, of having to go through that and, and really, you know, doing a good job with the games. You know what? And I think you're you're exactly right. And you talk about Clancy in the, in the post game interview because it's like you know, I guess part of it as a fan, you're looking to wait to see this guy just yelling and screaming about, hey, we just upset this team. Just like, uh, hey, we knew that you know we had to do this. You know, winning, we expect to win ball games, and certainly that attitude carried over. Because I will be totally honest with you, I thought after coming off a big victory, normally you see teams have a drop off, and, and I will lie to you, I was expecting a little drop off, and I was. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you sound like my, you sound like my wife out all the time. Let's go, man. Well, I got to be honest. I mean, but but yet you, you kept that momentum going. And here's the thing: UTA is not a cupcake. Has some big victories on the season. A very good yeah. baseball team. And so, I mean, you guys came out focused again, Coach. Nick, these guys are really good. Uh, Phil Bill had to be on his A game last night. 
you know, we had to turn two double plays uh, to get out of some big innings. Uh, they out hit us last night. Um, but the one thing that we, you know, we did, we were able to, you know, outplay them on defense. We didn't, I think we made one error, which was really a tough error, uh, on Chandler at short on the, on the one ball that the umpire called him out and they reversed it, so it became an error. But, you know, uh, that was the, really the biggest difference I thought last night. But I'm telling you, this is an outstanding ball club. They're very well coached. They got some, some tremendous hitters. And the only that we saw last night was 91 to 93 all night long. He beat Oklahoma State last week. And uh, you will see that guy uh, pitching at the next level. He is a tremendous competitor. And uh, I've got tremendous respect for, for UTA and their program. And we'll have our hands full again today uh, and tomorrow uh, trying to find a way to beat these guys. All right, let's talk about the first pitch today. Is it 2 and Sunday at 1? Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. I'm hoping, man, the sun's going to be out. It's going to be 70 degrees. Hopefully uh, some folks can find the time to come out because it's making a huge difference for our players. And, and uh, that home field advantage at J.C. Love Field is just tremendous. And, uh, you know, when those guys are standing up and clapping and, and our guys are feeding on for that, those velocities of those pitchers are going up, those defenders are moving around, it, it's really a lot of fun. Well, Coach, I certainly appreciate you taking time to join us this morning. Now, I'm going to be a little bit sentimental. I'm going to have to get uh, some audio of a uh, lawnmower, a John Deere lawnmower to play in the background because I, I missed that sound, Coach. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, what is the, and I'm going to ask you, what are the, and I meant to ask you, what do the opposing coaches think when they, when they come out and see the turf? Well, uh, you, Which know, is two, you, you know, Coach Robichaux and, and uh, even the guy last night was just very complimentary of our facility. And uh, really, you know, as I was talking with even Coach Robichaux at Lafayette, you know, he was like, well, hey, next time I turf my field, I'm going to do a strike field, and I'm going to put my logo out in center. So I think we're doing some things right, and I think people are starting to pay attention. And, uh, you know, for one, you know, for, for, for a good time, hopefully they'll, they'll, they're going to start respecting our program and see the vision that we're going in. I think they certainly will, Coach, and good luck with the rest of the series with UTA, and we appreciate you joining us this morning. All right, man. Have a great day. I'll see you at the ballpark. There you go. That was uh, Louisiana Tech head coach Greg Goff. We'll see everyone at the ballpark today. First pitch is at 2 o'clock versus UTA. Going to close out the series uh, on Sunday with the first pitch at once. Lynn takes you to 10, which today, Lynn takes you to 945. That's Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine and what I imagine is a frigid Birmingham, Alabama today. Yeah, that's pretty cold. But I tell you, listen to that uh, prize you're giving away to go to New Orleans. That, that kind of warms things up. I, am I eligible to win that? Yeah, I think, I think you're eligible to win, Lynn. Well, that'd be, that'd be a pretty fun thing to do. I'd like to come to the tournament, but uh, always like to come down there, spend some time at those places and go eat some, eat some good food. So, yeah, I, I don't think we can rhyme with 945, so we just got to stick with what we got. No, Lynn keeps you alive to 945. Well, there you go. If anybody well, yeah, sure. dies during our show, that's not a good, uh, good testament for our show. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, now, what you have to do is uh, just text the word Sunbelt. But i got to ask you, because before we talk anything SEC, the other day, and people that listen to this show know that you and I talk twice a week. We've done that every for about seven years now. And last Thursday, you and I were talking during the Conference USA report, and I gave the over-under on the UAB Marshall game. And I was anxious to see that game because I thought UAB benefited uh, from some calls in the uh, latter stages of that game versus the thundering herd of Marshall. And I gave you the over and under. Yeah, we were at Marshall, right? The first yes, time. that's right. On a Saturday afternoon where I texted you when you were writing the uh, hockey magazine, <laughs> <laughs> editing the hockey right. for Lindy's. And you nonchalantly said, What, sir? Well, 
I, it meant something when I, I said, yeah, well, you said what the line was going to be, what the over-under was. Said, yeah, that's high, but, you know, with us saying it's too high, the score's probably going to end up being 95 to 91, and dead gum if it wasn't 95 to 91. You know, what is amazing about that is I saw that score, and I looked at it, and I looked at it again, and I said, man, that looks weird. I didn't remember till you had emailed me last night, but really you and I could win our listeners a lot of money. Yeah, we now, just need to start good. Maybe we can do this on the side or something. Because you don't remember, but we talked about the Western Kentucky. Oh, no, we absolutely did because we said if Middle Tennessee lost that ball game and UAB beat Marshall, that, that basically was that, that gave UAB the championship. And, and there, lo and behold, I said, I like Western Kentucky. The Hilltoppers win. And actually, Louisiana Tech had a, you know, so it's about matchups. You know, you talk about these games against matchups. Louisiana Tech has tough matchup issues with North Texas, but. Of course, they had some injured players, but Louisiana Tech was able to win that game. But, you know, we're talking about having troubles. I'm going to move over to the SEC. Nice segue. Lynn, the University of Tennessee, I just, it just, there, is, are there any, is there any good news out of Knoxville? Not really. I mean, that, that they can't wait to get, get on the field for spring practice because they still, uh, if they can keep their head together and not let this train wreck mess them up, uh, I'm going I'm to write a column probably in the next few days. Uh, to have posted on Lindy's website, I'm going to pick Tennessee to win the Eastern Division. Uh, they got the best. They got the best team. They, I mean, they got everything going for them. They got the returning personnel. They got the uh, senior leadership at the quarterback. They got a good recruiting class. They got the schedule going their way. I mean, this is the year that they got the opposition not being good. Georgia's got a new coaching staff coming in. Florida at the end of the end of the year. I know they they won the East Division, but they were one of the worst three or four teams in the conference at the end of the season. And and here sits Tennessee. Uh, in a great position, and lo and behold, everything's caving in on them. And uh, no, it's it's a bad, you know, it's a bad situation. And um, you know, you, you you never know what the truth is on these things. But Tennessee has certainly gotten a whole lot of headlines, and and they're all bad. And um, you know, you don't think Butch Jones' job's in trouble, uh, but you know, stranger things have happened. You know, the Illinois released their coach. Uh, what ten days before the season started this past year, we had other coaches released during the year. I I don't think Butch Jones is in trouble, but um, you know, it look, when it looked like they're turning the corner, and maybe they are. Um, no, it, it, this could not possibly come at a worse time and in a worse uh, uh, area of, of concern than what Tennessee's dealing with right now. And, and you know what? I guess you learn something from the public relations uh, department when you go through. It's just been surreal and an odd situation where you bring a group of players, excuse me, bring a group of coaches together, and, you know, everything's great here. The basketball coach comes to a softball game. It just was very, it was a very strange deal. Yeah, you know, you have, uh, they, they got 15, 16 of their head coaches to all come together in one place to defend the program, and they, they almost acted jovial about it. I mean, they didn't even discuss the elephant in the room. And, and then, but the athletic director's not there. Then the athletic director comes separately like 48 hours later, and, I, I, you know, he was on the podium long enough that people in the, the media needed to go get a haircut. They didn't need one before it started, but by the time it was over, you know, they did. It lasted so long. Uh, um, it just, it's just been, I don't know, bungled. The, but, but, but keep this in mind, Nick, like you and I said on the, on the air on Thursday. Remember the Duke, the Duke lacrosse, lacrosse team. 
because everybody jumped on and assumed guilt with the Duke lacrosse team. And it was headlines everywhere. It was the lead story everywhere. It was on the media everywhere. The coach ends up losing his job. They, they canceled the rest of the season for the team that was nationally ranked. It derailed its chances to compete for the championship. These boys got their uh, reputations messed up, and, and probably some of them still hadn't recovered. Uh, and it turns out uh, six months later uh, they find out, oh, sorry, it wasn't true. Well, I'm not saying this is not true. And, and if, in fact, these things happened and the university administration and athletic department administration uh, tried to cover it up and just said, okay, y'all can get by with these things, then they, they need to be punished for it. But I'd let all the facts come out before you form opinions. Uh, just remember the Duke lacrosse team. Yeah, certainly, and when you said the two words, I knew what you were going to say, but also then you look at the women's basketball program at the University of Tennessee, what, falling out of the top 25 for the first time in the history of the program, I do believe. Well, and then they promptly go out the next game and lose to Alabama, who hadn't won but like three or four conference games. I think the, I think they had only won three games, and um, and and they beat and they beat Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee hadn't won half the conference games. Uh, I think it's very possible Tennessee won't make the tournament. I think if Auburn loses to Florida uh, tomorrow, they won't make the tournament. I think they're getting ready to play their way out. Two games ago. Tennessee was on the bubble and Auburn was in, and now Tennessee, uh, if Tennessee gets in, the only reason is because they're Tennessee, because they've not only lost a lot of games, they've lost to some pretty bad teams, and, um, and they're sitting there with 12 or 13 losses and, um, and a losing record in their conference. There's uh, like eight or nine teams in the conference ahead of, with a better record than Tennessee. So if, there's any, if it wasn't Tennessee, if it was any other team than Tennessee, sitting there with the record Tennessee's got right now, I'd tell you go bet, go bet the mortgage that they're not going to make the tournament. Because it's Tennessee, some fluky something might happen where they'll let, uh, where they'll let Tennessee play. But, uh, but it, it's, it shouldn't be. Well, now let's move on. You know, it was funny because yesterday that uh, juggernaut, that is Paul Feinbaum, had a caller call in, and uh, he got runs like a, a website in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, of all places, and, and basically saying that Johnny Jones was one of the worst coaches in college basketball. Certainly, uh, you know, I, I know that things have been disappointing, but I wouldn't call Johnny Jones the worst coach in college basketball. Well, that's strong, but, you know. I mean, I mean I, I'll say this. They, they have certainly turned into one of the underachievers in the conference uh, in the last several weeks after looking like they could have been one of the better teams. They had a real opportunity to do something, Nick, uh, and, and have, gone down the, you know, have, have gone down the tank on this. They, what, they lost three in a row? Yes, they have. Three in a row and, and what, four of the last six or something like that. They've really been stumbling, and they're losing bad. I mean, they, you know, they, lost, they lost by 20 points at Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas lost to Auburn on their home court and got beat by 25 by Mississippi State. And LSU loses by 20 up there. I mean, they're not only losing, they're losing to mediocre teams and they're losing by big margins. Uh, Tennessee beat them, uh, you know, on the road. Again, I refer back to Auburn because it's our school and they've had a rough year. Auburn beat Tennessee. Uh, LSU goes up and loses. The, um, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to figure. LSU, now I know they've had some injury problems, but they haven't had the worst injury problems in the SEC this year. And, um, and you know, I, I think this ball game uh, today with, with Florida coming into uh, – Coming into Baton Rouge, uh, I think is the LSU Florida loser. I think is out for consideration with the SEC tournament, and and the winner may not be in, but I think this is a play out game 
for the for the tournament if uh, the whichever one loses this game, I think they'd have to win the SEC tournament to get a bid. And let's talk about the action today. You've got Ole Miss at Georgia. Uh, that one, you know, interesting. I watched a game the other night, Lynn, from Oxford, and the pavilion was not full. And I look for that one to be sold out all the time, but certainly it wasn't. And now Ole Miss traveling to Athens to take on the Bulldogs today. Yeah, and again, Georgia, you know, uh, uh, Georgia's like 14 and 12 or something. They barely won half their games. They're not going anywhere. Uh, you know, last game out, Georgia goes to Auburn and, and – uh, Never, never has the lead. Auburn has the lead the entire ball game as Georgia loses again. Um, it's a, again, it's sort of a sort of a meaningless ball game. I mean, Ole Miss is sitting there at eighteen and ten. I guess if they could win their next uh, their next three and and win twenty one games, and you know, I mean, I guess Ole Miss could still their bubble enough that they could still pull it out. If the SEC were to get four or five teams, Ole Miss could get hot, win their last three, and maybe they could be it. But they they got to win at Georgia today. Uh, in order to in order to be in that position. Well, Ben Howland had a little magic in Starkville. Can he do it again as the Gamecocks of South Carolina travel to Starkville? Well, South Carolina's a better team, but I mean, but Mississippi State, you know, <laughs> Alabama wins like four out of five, and they look like they're the hottest team out there. And then Mississippi State come in and beats them in, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and like I said, Mississippi State beat Arkansas by 25 points. I, um, again, you think South Carolina's going to win? Right now, I think South Carolina and uh, and Kentucky are probably the only two absolute lock teams to be in the tournament. Kentucky calls of where they are in the, in the conference, and South Carolina because they've only got five losses. Uh, A&M, you know, if, if A&M, I think A&M will beat Missouri today. Uh, but then stranger things have happened the way the league's been going. But if A&M beats Missouri, they didn't go to 11-5 and five and, and had 22 wins. I, I would think if A&M wins today, they're probably in the tournament. I think South Carolina's in. Even if they lose two out of the last three, I think they're in. I think Kentucky is. I think that's probably your only three locks. And then Vanderbilt, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida, Alabama, those five are probably playing for the possibility of another couple of bids. If, um, you know, they're, 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 playing, the they're playing for the possibility of closing out well and doing well in the tournament and, and maybe getting in. That's right. Yeah, I, I think I think the, 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 I think Kentucky and South Carolina will be in. I think A&M, if they win another couple of games in the regular season, they're in. And I don't think anybody else is. Uh, I think the other – got five other teams – from Georgia down on the league, Georgia, Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Missouri, those teams aren't going to, to any postseason. Um, but well, I guess one of those could, could win all the rest of the ball games, pull up to above 50-50 and go to the NIT. But they're not going to be NCAA material. And unless they really get hot, they're probably not NIT material. No, I don't think so. And I think one of the hottest teams, and, and hopefully they can get a victory today and be that fourth team, would be Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt has – uh, you know, I, bottom line for the SEC, the auto will get really excited now because Kentucky is on the schedule because that is the only chance a lot of these teams have. I look at LSU at the end of the season, and you look at Vanderbilt today getting to host Kentucky. Certainly that win because Vanderbilt has some momentum right now. Yeah, no, if, I tell you what, if, if Vanderbilt were to beat Kentucky today, then that, that takes them up to 18 wins and puts them at 10-6 and six in the conference, um, and, and they'd only be a, a game behind Kentucky. That would do a long way. Vanderbilt would come close to being qualified for the tournament. When, when I had given them up for dead three weeks ago, I, I, I thought on your show, I thought they were the most underachieving team in the league. And the first part of the, the season, they were the most underachieving team in the league. But they, they've got the potential to beat Kentucky. They're the time of team that can because they've got some veterans. They've got the, they got the, the three big guys, two, two that are over seven feet. Uh, they're good shooters. They've got the home, the home crowd advantage. You and I have been there. 
Uh, that gym is a tough place to play. It's unusual because the layout of the gym and the position of the students and the configuration of the stands is just a, it's a unique place. Certainly in the ACC, it might be a unique place in college basketball. I've, I've never covered a game at anywhere that's set up like Vanderbilt. Either. No, and I think they have around 16 scoreboards. They used to years ago as the scoreboard in every nook and cranny. Well, you've got to have it for people to see because there's places that you can sit where you can't see the entire court. Now, they have, uh, they have uh, upgraded, and they've become uh, handicap accessibility. But years ago when I was in college, the only way to get to that press box that sat it seemed like the Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, yeah, how, many, how many stories high was that thing? Yeah, you burned some calories. Too bad there wasn't a Fitbit around then. You certainly would have met your daily requirement for steps going up there. Deal. They, put, they put the press on the roof, but they got some of the, seat, some of the students sitting below the, below the court. Yes, uh, certainly. And if you never, if you ever get an opportunity, go to Memorial Gymnasium at Vanderbilt and see a game. I talk about the game that really that is intriguing. And I know that we only have four or five minutes left. I was going to tell you. I want to talk about the intriguing matchup in just a minute. But I was going to tell you that I thought that the SEC three teams it was just bad basketball, and that when LSU climbed to the top, you really hadn't done anything because you're only looking at two to three teams that really of any quality. And I'll say a lot of these upsets, Lynn, I think you're now getting quality coaches in this league. And I know it sounds really weird, but you have better coaching than you do players at a lot of these schools right now. And certainly recruiting will help that. But Ben Howling at Mississippi State, Bruce Pearl at Auburn, certainly good basketball coaches have won before and will win again. Just right now, their coaching ability, I mean, it's caused some of these upsets you see on the road that doom other teams which leads to the matchup tonight that intrigues me the most because you have Mike White, former Louisiana Tech coach, returning to the state of Louisiana as Florida takes on LSU. Florida desperately needs a win, but LSU needs it more. Oh, yeah, this, I can say, this is a, to me, this is a play-out game. Yes. The, win, the winner of it's not in the tournament, but the loser of it's out, uh, unless they win the tournament in, uh, in uh, Nashville. So that's, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I and, I don't know which way I'd go on this. Um, you know, LSU's got the home, the home court advantage, but they got a key injury. Uh, and, and Florida's on the road, but they've been playing better. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's on ESPN tonight, so I'm, I'm looking forward to looking at it. Hey, before we get off the air, i got to say something about women's softball. Yes, you do. Uh, man, listen, of course they're always the strongest league, but right now you've got one, two, three, four, five teams with one loss and three others that are undefeated. You've got nine, eight or nine. You've got nine teams, I believe, in the top 25 right now. And between uh, Auburn, Alabama, A&M, Mississippi State, Georgia, Florida, those six, the ones that are the highest ranked, uh, they've won almost 70 games and have lost three combined. Now, you talk about if you, if you want to see some really good sports and see some teams that are going to win, go, go for the national championship, Wherever you are in the audience, go out and watch your, your softball teams. And that's not including South Carolina, LSU, Tennessee. Those teams are ranked, but they've lost more than one ball game. I mean, so LSU's like number five or six in the country, uh, and they, they got two losses. But uh, really, really great college softball Southeastern Conference. To get a chance, go give those girls some support. Well, I certainly appreciate it, Lynn, and I always uh, appreciate you joining us every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. You're not quite taking us to 10, but I got it. I've been working on it. Lynn takes you to the end of the Nick Brown Show. There you go. I got that. Okay. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. That's Lynn. Thanks for listening to the best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes on Stitcher or at redpeachsports.com.